Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Chelsea, keeping you up to date on the latest news from Stamford Bridge. Match recaps, previews, presented by WorldSoccerShop.com. It's the London is Blue podcast. Here's your hosts, Brandon, Dan, and Nick. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London is Blue podcast, returning for a midweek Carabao Cup special. As always, I'm Brandon. Joined by me are Nick and Dan. Gentlemen, um, not exactly what any of us want. There's no sense in ignoring it or sugarcoating any of it, Nick. It was abysmal. It it really proves that there's nothing worse than losing to Arsenal. Correct. Um, we're going to earn... A solid E rating on the show, so I'm just gonna say it. That fucking sucked. And, uh, you know, I will also say, Dan, not the end of the world. I think that was, uh, that was it. We're done, right? We can yep. wrap this up. We can go. Wrap it. Uh, pre- pretty quick analysis there. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you know, uh, an apologies if you didn't hit the uh, mute button or the pause button fast enough for when uh, Nick dropped the first F-bomb and uh, your kids heard it in the car. We're sorry. If, if you had 
uh, the 30th second of the show, um, then, then you've won a lot of money uh, as it a was, bet. It was, I think it was paying uh, uh, four to one on your William Hill uh, accumulator. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, uh, Brandon, this, uh, this wasn't great. We know it. We're going to talk about it. We're going to relieve... Uh, some of the the stress of the situation, and then we will look ahead to greener pastures. Now, that's right. I mean, it's short week, so I can understand no iTunes reviews. I can understand no Patreon contributors. Um, but what I can't understand, or maybe maybe we can, essentially, Dan is. I mean, it's essentially it's the Mickey Mouse trophy, unless you win it, right? I mean, genuinely, not just saying it because we're out. I think that if you talked to fans from the top six in the summer with nothing at stake and you said genuinely what if you ranked the cup competitions in england in order you would say the carabao cup i could give a shit less unless we win it well it it was part of Mourinho's uh treble last season right you know involving also the community shield and the europa league so freaking jv uh, treble Really, uh, really missing out on a unique opportunity there. I, 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 yeah, I mean, it's frustrating. It's upsetting. You always want to win silverware. And uh, this is the one that, you know, you make fun of when you don't win it. But uh, I don't think that shy, you know, that we're going to shy away from being upset about the performance on the pitch tonight. It's more it's it's more upset about the opponent to me and the circumstances, yeah. Nick. All right. So... You know, a lot's been made of Antonio Conte's uh, record in uh, knockout cup competitions. Uh, spoiler alert, it's not good. Um, I don't believe he's ever won one as a as a manager. Had a chance to with the FA Cup last year. Had a chance to uh, with uh, with this competition. Uh, and, and still has two more cup competitions to go. So, uh, you know, this is, uh, this is not ideal. Um, certainly, I think he wants that. A proverbial monkey off of his back in terms of, of winning one of these things but um, it is de- the reason that we're all mad is that it's Arsenal and and that we we Chelsea have struggled under Antonio Conte uh, against Arsenal I think it's it's one three or one win five losses and and three draws something like that Um it's it's been ugly, and Antonio Conte has been bested by Arsene Wenger, something that you know, I don't think anybody would have predicted, um, and and that's that's probably the troubling thing. So let's just dive in. All right. Well, uh, as always, we need to let you know about World Soccer Shop, our gracious presenting sponsor. Uh, shout out to you guys. You honestly do a really good job of tagging them and and including us in that. So thank you. But Nick, um, they have the away and third kit on sale right now. That is correct. So if you go to worldsoccershop.com and then click on the Chelsea page, uh, there's a sale tab. And in that sale tab, what you will find are magnificent away and third jerseys, uh, some with customizations such as Murata or Hazard, uh, some just the plain kit that you could uh, customize yourself and uh, and use our promo code uh, to get some percentage off. But you should just go there and look at the sale tab and, and grab yourself some uh, some discount merch. Do uh, that. Nick, you might also want to highlight the fact that uh, cleats and other attire and apparel is available because uh, Chelsea is still in search for a striker to score goals with their feet. And ah. uh, you might be that person, uh, yeah. given some of the performances we've seen recently. 
Yeah, when are we hosting tryouts? Are we gonna do? Are we gonna do like formal tryouts <laughs> versus? Like, what are I, we doing? I don't think it works like the NFL, Nick. I don't think we could just like have a walk on and, and end up becoming a player on the practice squad. I, I don't think it goes that way. Huh. All right. Well, at least you can look the part. WorldSoccerShop.com. Boom. All right. Well, messy, messy part coming up now. It's the Arsenal match review. It was the League or Carabao Cup. If you want to support our jersey sponsor, it was at the Emirates, and it was this past Wednesday, January 24th. Mark it in your calendars. You were there. You heard the pod. It was Blues 1, Gunners 2, and Janique on Facebook singing like Cher, <laughs> which I won't do, says, Do you believe in life after loss? Because gauging from Twitter, it seems many Chelsea fans do not. <laughs> That's actually that was a really witty. surprisingly accurate way to kind of sum it all up. Like, Nick, do you? Is, is there life after a loss such as this? course there is doesn't mean that it sucks any less it just means that we uh we got to keep going and we're going to get into some of the reaction um from twitter which uh i I, you know if you're listening to the tone in which i'm saying this i'm not pleased about but uh but yeah I, i would agree with her sentiment i think that this is what i love to see from twitter this is the best of twitter when someone can can see the whole you know twitter verse exploding and and make a witty funny comment dan uh, that that sums it all up for us uh, this is the way to do twitter yeah well that the the, the problem is that that actually was a facebook comment so ah, that's, uh, see if, that's if, why if, it if didn't if work you, if you observe the the like <laughs> button underneath the uh, the comment snapshot that we have there but the irony uh, uh, is that she left twitter to come to facebook for therapy yeah, yeah, that's, that's there, accurate. There's some weird like dynamic around what type of experience you get as a fan or supporter based upon the social network you use. Um, you know, if you want, you know, fa- photos of Murata and his, uh, you know, lovely wife going through, you know, the the pregnancy experience together, you go to Instagram. You know, if you want to uh, basically have a hole inside your heart, uh, you know, shat upon, uh, you go to Twitter. And, uh, you know, yep. if you want to generally find some people to, uh, you know, kumbaya with a little bit, you go to Facebook. Wow. I saw some crazy, crazy shit there, too. So just not a great day overall for the Chelsea social media community. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I, we're here to prove that there is life after this loss. Uh, it's not great, though. You know, there's a... It's kind of interesting. There's a lot of things we want to talk about in this. I'm sure our listeners are getting antsy of us just kind of, uh, you know, strolling. <laughs> through, yeah, just strolling through this. Uh, so, Dan, let's go ahead and get the party started with a lineup at this time. Still, the injuries are racking up, which is really surprising. Uh, yesterday in the press conference, it's Conte made it sound like everyone was going to be fresh and ready. Turns out that is not the case. No, we saw Willie uh, Claw. Ferriero, which was uh, one of the suggestions I saw on, on Twitter when we asked for a nickname yeah. for Willie we're just, C. We're trying too hard with that. We we gotta <laughs> we gotta scale it back a little bit, build it back up. Yeah, Cesar Aspilicueta, Andreas Christensen, Antonio Rudiger, Victor Moses, William Conte, Bakayoko, Alonso, Pedro, and Hazard combined for a three-four-three. It was back in action with a bench that was a little defender-heavy when you look at it, considering it had Eduardo uh, Courtois out injured with his ankle, so he's continuing to be sidelined. David A. Zabacosta, Gary Cahill, Luis. 
Drinkwater, Barkley, and Mishi. So, Nick, I don't think anyone was maybe thrilled by what they saw when it looked when you saw that lineup, and then you looked at the bench and you realized there was not going to be much in the way of creativity when there's no Murata or Cesc Fabregas. Yeah, or Musanda, or Hudson Adoy, you know, or you know, any you know, think about. You know, I think I think Barkley was was the guy that most people are looking to to you know perhaps have an impact, and and we'll get into that. But uh, but yeah, but, I mean, besides Mishi coming on, you know, you're not throwing you're not throwing Cahill up top, even though I've joked about that before. Uh, David Luiz probably wasn't going to come play midfield and, and start attacks, so it was a uh, it was a tough lineup to to get any goals out of. Yeah. It... I mean, from a three-four-three standpoint, you know, I, th- I think a lot of people were happy with that. And as we get into it, it it started really well. But unfortunately, Arsenal seemed to be coming a bit of a bogey team for us. Uh, maybe it's a little bit bigger than Arsenal. Reed on Facebook uh, says, "Yeah, it sucks not making Cup final, but I'm not going to lose any sleep over losing the League Cup." I get that Arsenal's goals were lucky, but you make your own luck, and they did that tonight. What scares the shit out of me is it's obvious Arsene Wenger has Antonio's number. Since Antonio took over, we cannot be a down Arsenal side. That is just shocking. At the Gaspo on Twitter, following this up, saying... Have Conte's tactics been found out? If Conte is to blame for these lackluster games, who is? Is it possible that he's losing the locker room? What are your thoughts on Hazard's comments regarding needing our needs in attack? AK, he said we don't need a massive target guy. Football should be played on the ground. So, uh, you know, at Chelsea, Eric underscore getting in on it as well. What, I mean, Dan, from your standpoint, this Arsenal conversation is a thing because with Jose, it was oh, look at all these matches that he's never, ever beaten him except for one fluky Community Shield match. And now, all of a sudden, we thanked Arsenal last season for being our saviors and beating us and forcing the switch in system to now wanting them to just go the hell away. Whew. Wow, that was a, a loaded setup there, Brandon. Not, not uh, a lot, lot there to digest. And... It's clear that the way we are, it's very obvious if you watch the way we play in the 3 4 3 is that we distribute the ball out from the back to a left or right uh, center back or wing back, depending upon who it is. And we really don't try to work the ball through the midfields uh, in, entirely much. And if you are a astute manager, like uh, many in the Premier League, who uh, we failed to perform against maybe this season, who've had a, a year of study, uh, a, you know, a 30-plus match window where they've been able to observe how Antonio Conte uh, drills his side and has outlined the theory for, hey, if you cannot move the ball forward, we are basically just going to pass it as far as we can to the other side and then begin moving the ball up again that way. Uh, so it's almost like this really uh, terrible game of shoots and ladders where you're moving the ball up the pitch, and if you can't get high enough, you just basically take the the shoot back down and kind of start again. And it's very clear that Wenger has figured that out, has constructed a lineup with uh, you know really kind of pacey players that are capable of 
you know, shredding our, our wing backs. You know, you look at uh, Bellerin versus Alonzo, and it hasn't changed. You know, Bellerin's moving about a, a foot and a half ahead of Alonzo the majority of the time, and he's hoping that Bellerin will maybe cut back in and potentially be at a point where there's, you know, an opportunity to, you know, kind of double step and maybe kind of catch up with him if he cuts back in. It's 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 really, Nick, I think just, you know, kind of odd that we haven't found a way to either drill the players differently or provide alternative instruction in these type of matches where we know or we've seen now on repeat occasions, and I think Arsenal's specific, right, because we've had a chance to play them three times in the last month, where we have to kind of give different instruction and guidance to the players to do something different in order to produce a different outcome. Because we're trying the same thing, even with the three-five-two, you're trying the same thing with the playing out of the back, and it's not working against Wenger when he sets up the lineup this way. Yeah, so you know, I think there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack here. You know, Antonio Conte, you know, who we have waxed poetic about since he got to Chelsea. I, I love this dude. I think that he's an, an incredible manager. Is getting beat flat out. Uh, Arsene Wenger has figured out that he can press Chelsea and that Chelsea is not confident right now in passing the ball out of the back and will turn the ball over and get countered on. Like It is, it is what we usually do to teams when we have the energy uh, that will give them fits, and we, you know, it's 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 like, it's like facing, you know, Eden Hazard in practice, and then coming up against Alexis Sanchez and not knowing what to do. You know, they're similar players, they're similar sizes, they have similar talents, and just not being able to to cope with you know a guy who's very very similar. All Arsene Wenger is doing is banking that his team is more athletic. And can press for longer, and you know is is a little bit more fluid up front. That's all he's banking on because they're not better at the back. And you know, outside of a couple lucky goals today, I think you know they just played better in the second half. Antonio Conte has a few things to figure out. One one being Brandon that we need to uh, improve the offensive movement in the final third. That is unequivocally absolutely task number one i think that everyone sits around and waits for Eden hazard to do something or you know or not do anything and and whatever so you see the, this pattern of play raise your hand if you've seen this out to the wing back to the midfield around to the other side around to the midfield back to the other side maybe a ball in back to the midfield and then a stupid chip over the top or a terrible cross and then our offensive possession is over that's it um, so we have to fix that, and we have to fix it quickly. Uh, when Eden Hazard is playing as free flowing as he did on Saturday, maybe that's a fix. You know, I, I don't know why he couldn't do that today. Second thing is we have to figure out a way to beat a fucking press. I, it is it is driving me out of control. City are going to press us when we see him in a month. Arsenal are going to press us every time we see him. And if Barcelona isn't watching this today and thinking, oh, all we have to do is press him, and they're going to turn the ball over because they're not confident, you're out of your mind. Of course, that's what they're going to do. We have to figure out how to do that. That Those two things aren't necessarily solved by new players coming in. Those two things are, are drilled on the, on the training pitch every single day until we get them right. And once we do, 
you know, we'll have some answers. But uh, this is what is making me so upset about this performance is that you knew it was coming. We've played him three times now in the last month, and we played him in uh, in the fall as well. This and and in the Community Shield and in the preseason and back to last year. This is what they do to us. We haven't coped the end, and that's why we lost. Yeah, I guess, you know, the last few times we've had success against Arsenal, like, uh, I think to, like, Fabregas springing Diego over the top or, you know, some through balls because their defensive shape is quite terrible. I mean, Bakayoko found Hazard in through on goal by himself tonight. He just fell for an, a horrible situation where he just lost his balance. Um, and so I think that that is something, you know, I, when it comes to, you know, a lot of people say, oh, Fabregas is the answer to all these problems. Like, I, I don't necessarily think that it's that simple. Um, Bakayoko in the last few games has really turned it on a bit. Um, and, you know, he's had five months to, to get acclimated and, and to clean things up and get better and, and change his approach. And hopefully that this is the, the Bakioko that we, you know, were expecting to show up when we signed him this summer. And But at the same time, I, I can understand he's not a creative maestro like a player like Fabregas. Um, the other thing is, you know, talking about our offensive chemistry, it, it's got to be difficult with how many changes have came. Um, like, I know you train during the week and stuff, but if you're going from a 3-5-2 to a 3-4-3, and then you're going from a strike like Morata to Hazard and Pedro to Mishi, then back to not a, a true striker, I think that us not having a proper striker inconsistently is really difficult because not only that, but you play Mishi one way and you play Murata a different way. And then if Hazard's in their leading line, you play him another way because Hazard hates just sitting and waiting for the ball to come to him. He he has to go get it. And unfortunately, that makes him a bad number nine. Uh, he can't lead the line like that. And so, you know, I think that the offensive continuity has really put a hiccup on how the team's going to play. When we won the league last season again right we talked about uh, a huge strength and advantage for Antonio Conte is he could play the exact same 11 every single week and we have had everything but that this year the amount of rotation and changes I think this really shows to people how important team chemistry is because uh, Chelsea don't have any right now um, to your point about um I don't even remember what your second point was now. I had everything all teed beat up. Your, beat your press. press. Your press. Okay, right now, Barcelona press. Barcelona like started the press eight years ago. I mean, that's just what they're going to do. I think that it comes down to just not being technically clean. The amount of like poor first touches or not stepping to the ball, uh, not being aware of pressure on our back. Um, that's just... I'm, I'm a little surprised by that because we'll just miss hit a pass or our first touch will let us down. And then from there, the defense just, you know, consumes you. And uh, today, uh, there's a couple times where like Alonzo and Moses, you know, they're under pressure. They had the ball wide. They had to look for a long ball up and there's nothing up there, right? Because it's Hazard, Pedro and William or Barkley later in the match. I mean, there's no one that's going to go get that. I mean, I, I give Hazard credit. He jumped and challenged defenders, but he jumped knowing he was never going to win it. You know, I mean, there's no outlet. There's no target man to, to hold off a center back. And so today specifically is why we can't beat a press 
Um, but Nick, I would say there is a bigger kind of problem with that. And a lot of it, I think, is down to just not being technically clean this season, uh, whether it's a mental thing or just our first touch letting us down because we're fatigued. Uh, I'm not sure, but there's uh, there's quite a bit of reason to be concerned about that. Well, I would say I would say a big part of this is just straight, straight up energy levels. When when Dan brought up Bellerin and Alonzo, like that's the prime example for me. You know, uh, Alonzo ha- right now, Alonzo has zero chance to beat Bellerin down the side. It just, it, you know, Why? Bellerin's one of the fastest players in the world, and Alonzo doesn't have the legs right now. And he he would have zero chance to beat Bellerin pretty much any time we play. Uh, but I think right now it's a difference between being half a foot behind and being uh, you know a full foot and a half behind him when he's trying to catch up to him. Like he was getting shredded this game. And I think that's where you know you look at the bench again and you see you know Zappa Costa is really kind of the the primary option to fill in. And there's no, you know, Dujon Sterling on the bench, potentially. There's no plug-and-play option that's really, you know, going to add value. And, you know, we ship Kennedy off before we, you know, bring in potentially a new transfer to compete with Alonzo. It's tough. Like, I mean, I, yes, I get that Conte and the, the lineup are, 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 you know, the depth, quote-unquote, are a problem right now. But, you know, we also have to look at the fact that, like, they're – there are options. They're just not necessarily being explored. And I think that's where some of this frustration, uh, it, you know, comes from is that you, you look at, see, you know, that the, uh, U 23 team, um, in the checker trade, uh, trophy, uh, advanced with a ton of youth players. Uh, so it's clear that we have talent lingering around this first team that may or may not have had a larger price tag or may or may not be from, you know, have played in in Syria or in the Bundesliga or La Liga in in the top division, but there's options and they're not being utilized. I think that's the other frustrating thing too, especially when you see Alonzo Bellerin go down and you knew exactly from the start of the ninety minutes what was going to happen on that left hand side. Well, and this brings me to you know I think you know, ties a nice bow on this segment is that. We've talked about this before. We've talked with guests about this before. Antonio Conte has one job, and that is to win matches. And it's not, you know, you can talk about playing the youth all you want. You can talk about transfers and all the other, you know, auxiliary pieces to to what his main job is. But uh, he, you know, he is in charge of, of winning trophies and, and advancing Chelsea as a footballing unit. Um, you know, and he is going to play the players right, right or wrong that he thinks will give Chelsea the best chance to win. And if you're, if you're Antonio Conte and those are your objectives and that's what you get paid to do, you're not, you know, I I think anybody would, you know, we, we can say play the youth or we can say, you know, switch up the formation pretty easily on, on these airwaves, but his his objective is to win football matches. He's not doing that as frequently as he did last year, this year. So, you know, he has to figure it out. But I, I think it's uh, it it would have been risky for him to even play Musanda instead of Pedro in this match because he doesn't feel like he can trust any of the the beast the B team to to step up to the level that the A team are at. 
Yeah, and that's what Mark on Facebook was saying. He posted the sad fact about our team is now we know they don't have the squad depth to compete on four fronts. He said, I guess we knew it before, but now it seals it. it you know, Nick, I guess that does kind of go back to your second point about energy levels and beating the press. I mean, these guys are... Conte, this bench just proves that Conte would rather have a senior defender on the team than a young attacking talent. Just, again, back to trust. Love him or hate him, okay? That's just what he does. He doesn't... He talked about how he gambled by playing youth in against Norwich. He, you know, has played youth a little bit in some other games, you know. But realistically, he doesn't, you know, because he that's not his style, and he wasn't like that at Juventus. Um, well, and he did he did in this competition last year, and we got knocked out. Exactly, you know? and, and, and I think that's that's the thing. Risk what, what else he gonna do? Yeah, what's he gonna do? Like Unfor- we we played we played some youth in this competition, but not a ton. Yeah. That, and it was all in the Care About Cup because from a, a priority standpoint, that's obviously the lowest competition. He even said in this post-match press conference, the Premier League and Champions League are much more important and more difficult. Like He pretty much just accepted those is where his priorities lie. And, and I mean, I guess that's to be fair. Um, real quick, I guess uh, we can touch on the substitutions. They were nothing but kind of underwhelming, personally. Um, I guess, Dan, people did at least talk about Barkley. There's a lot of people saying Barkley who. He started off, you know, shot out of the gate, you know, uh, was getting forward, was pressing, putting in tackles defensively. He was was being involved, but he definitely, he faded later in the match. He definitely tended to disappear. Again, it's his first, this is interesting. A lot of people forget this. This was his first appearance in any competition all season. He has been injured for quite some time, and I, I'm almost surprised. And, and this was more of a issue where William goes out injured with a with a hamstring, and you know someone needs to get tapped on the bench, and you're looking for an attacking option. And man, how out of favor does Mishi have to be for Ross Barkley, who has not played a game all season? to be the person that is is passed over in the selection process because you could have slotted him right up in the top, moved Pedro out, kept Hazard, you know, move Hazard out maybe to the left and gone back to like a, a true 3-4-3. Three, three. Uh, and then instead you kind of pop Barkley in here and then you kind of morph into that, you know, 3-5-2-ish type of formation and or 3-5-1-1. You know, three, you know, it, it just it wasn't fluid. It, you definitely saw a change in the kind of the the initial t- attacking presence we had uh, once William went off. And yeah, I don't know about you, Nick. I mean, Barkley's going to have more opportunities to impress, but you know, obviously not the ideal first performance. It blows my mind that people expect him to be the second coming after sixty five minutes. <clears throat> like guys. Part of life is setting expectations. What in the if you were in this situation, I would ask you all, our listeners, put yourself in Ross Barkley's situation. First match of the year, you're obviously very excited. You know, you think I might get 20 minutes at the end of this. You know, I'm I'm not starting, but hey, I'm I'm ready to go. I'm excited. I've been training hard. You know, I'm back from this injury. And then William goes down in the you know whatever the 25th minute or or whatever it was. And you're thrown into a match much, much quicker than you were anticipating and for much longer than you were anticipating. 
Um, I would bet that every single one of us uh, talking and or listening would really struggle with that situation. And I think it is lunacy to think that this dude's supposed to come on uh, and and just be Eden Hazard or, or be Seth Fabregas. Like he will, he you know he's been training with the team for two weeks, but he doesn't know these players and their movements on the pitch. Being on the pitch with these guys is a whole different situation and live game action. Um, yeah, he wasn't great, but come on, like can we? Can we reset expectations on new players? Whoever comes in, whether it's Eden Dzeko or Palmieri or, you know, Captain Kangaroo, they all need time to settle into the team. All of them. And I think it is it is straight-up lunacy, uh, you know, it, it to expect that they're going to score a hat trick on their debut. You know, sure, we all want Russ Barkley to, to be better and – some people just don't like him because he's not Ruben Loftus Cheek, and so they're they're gonna hate on him extra hard. I hope you're not one of those people, but if you are, uh, I I got nothing for you. Um, this dude will come good. Give him some time, and hopefully, you know, as he starts a match, he can grow into it and develop, you know, relationships with players. But man, guys, chill out, please. Yeah, and obviously, you know, we appreciate at Ben Moxham, Phil, Kevin, loyal USU fan, all asking about Barkley. Like I said, it, it's too small of a sample, I think, to at least for me to make a judgment. Uh, we always knew we were buying potential with him, and I hope it's not like the Pato signing where he comes in, he's not in shape, not ready. Got I me mean, hell. He made his debut way quicker than Pato, but just give him some time to to settle in and, and figure things That's out. So- I totally forgot about Pato. Yeah, we well, <laughs> quack that, quack. That was on purpose. It, it, oh, if you blinked, man. you missed it quite literally. <laughs> um, I mean, again, obviously tonight, uh, I, like our offense was was lacking. I, I just want to like bring up the the point that I think Chelsea really really need a target man in at all times. I think this just goes to show you uh, why strikers go for a premium. Not only do they just score goals, but being able to lead the attack and being the focus point of an attack is so important. I mean, these guys spend so much time on the pitch without the ball at their feet, and that's the most difficult thing to do. Um, Nick, I guess from from your standpoint, we there's rumors that Jekko might be coming in, Mishi will be going out, um, Obama Yang's on the market, we've obviously seen Hudson Adoy just tear some things up. What, I guess, from your standpoint, how much value do you put in the importance of having a, a an actual striker whether it's a, a six foot seven target man or a, an Aubameyang, a shorter speedster that can get in behind and run the channels. Um, today we didn't have one. And to me, anytime Chelsea don't have a striker leading the line, I feel like we're losing a lot. Um, I don't know. Like I, I think, I think we all have an imprint of Didier Drogba in our mind for what a striker should be. And, Rightfully so. Dude's a legend and, and played played the striker position with almost every skill set that you could have. Size, power, strength, speed, everything. Um, long shots, chips. You know, he had the whole locker. Uh, I don't know if Chelsea need 
a target man as much as we need better offensive movement. Because, you know, sure, I think, you know, Diego did did some of that job last year, but you know, I, I don't I don't necessarily think that like bringing Jekko in is going to solve our movement. You know, I think it's the only thing that it's really going to help is holding the ball so that other players can get forward. Um, but you know, again, I, you know, until we figure out the movement piece and until we figure out what the fuck we're doing on set pieces, my God, um, you know, corners and, or, you know, free kicks. I, I, I don't really know if players are going to solve this. I think that this is something that Conte has to work on with the squad that he has. And, you know, sure, I, you know, I, I get your point, Brandon, that a, a target man occupies center backs and that it, it wait, you know, it, it'll kind of uh, occupy their thoughts and feelings a little bit more. But I'm not sure that that's going to be the quick fix that we, we think it will be. Dan, I guess from your standpoint then, are you more concerned about the pinball deflecto goals tonight or the fact that we didn't have a striker? <laughs> I will say I did love Bleacher Report's uh, pinball wizard Photoshop where Wanger was in the background and uh, <laughs> they put like Jaka's face on one of the play, uh, like the characters in the the song. So it was, uh, it was good. It was That was a nice little bit of action. Yeah, I mean, you know, Antonio Rudiger, man of the match for uh, Arsenal and their official poll, which was pretty exciting. Uh, didn't know that a player from an opposite team could win. Uh, good for him. You know, someone walked away a winner from this match in, uh, in blue this evening. I, I think fleshing out the squad in all, in all capacity is important. And I think that a striker uh, like Jekko is is a is a good acquisition. Um, it just it's, it still feels like we are um, you know kind of playing catch up though to what other clubs are kind of putting together in their kind of grand scheme of things. Uh, you know, you look at what you know Olukaku Sanchez combination uh, at Manchester United. You look at a Aguero Jesus situation at City. And, you know, we're, we're on the cusp of being the team that's on the outside looking in in terms of the quality of uh, you know, attacking options we have, which is uh, not something five, six years ago you ever would have thought about uh, Chelsea, but now uh, is, is a deep concern. And I think that's where, again, we kind of hammer the drum on, on the youth piece, but when you have a Tammy Abraham out there, when you have a Hudson Adoy, when you have some some really kind of cracking talent that is available, and they don't uh, kind of move into the first team, and there's no kind of pathway for that, it, it's a bit of a challenge. And it, again, that's what's frustrating is that we don't see, um, you know, we're not the fly on the wall in the boardroom. We can't figure it out ourselves. But understanding where the goals are going to come from is, uh, you know, the the eternal question right now. I guess we're going to have to continue to wait a little bit, figure out what in the world uh, the, the rest of the transfer window is going to happen. Um, but but kind of talking about that a little bit in relation to this match, obviously. Um, Matt Law, for those of you who don't know, is um, a very reputable journalist at The Telegraph. Uh, he focuses a lot of his work on Chelsea. Um, I, I would say he's one of our 
one of the people that we tend to listen to um, a lot more than than some of the others, like him and Simon and Nisar and and uh, Liam uh, and and that kind of crew. Pretty much people we've had on as guests, right? And Dan Levine. We don't if we don't trust them, we're not going to bring them on. But he had said uh, in a series of three tweets back to back to back. Uh, he says, Conte, of course, has reason to be frustrated about transfers. Uh, he says, but the idea he is, but the idea that he is not having any input into transfers is hard to believe. Zapacosta, Morata, Alonso, Rudiger, and now Palmieri and Dzeko are all players that he would know a lot about. Carroll was also his suggestion. There's no way Chelsea would be considering spending money on a 31-year-old Dzeko and potentially having to give him a contract over 18 months if he had not been put forward by Conte. They still might not agree to do it, but they are acting on his wishes by trying to negotiate. But on the other hand, it is undeniable that Chelsea failed to take advantage of the momentum Conte created by winning the league. He did his job and the club have not delivered for him at times. Now, Nick... I guess, do you feel that the club is not delivering for Conte what he has earned? We we talked about this um, a couple weeks ago. I think that Antonio Conte is at the middle of a uh, a club in in uh, trans uh, transit that like they're they're just reforming their ideas um, about how they want to do business, the types of players they're recruiting, uh, the philosophy around the academy, and and you know what they want the return on investment to be there. And Antonio Conte is much more suited to a system where they go. You know, he, he gives the board a list of veteran players that he thinks will help him achieve, achieve his objective, which we said earlier is to win trophies and, and win matches and evolve the style of, that Chelsea's playing, which I think he's done um, up to this point. And, you know, those two things are at odds right now. And I don't know the answer to this. Like, I think, I think Matt makes some very strong points that... There are, there are some very, I think we can all see the Conte impact around transfers, um, you know, especially with some of the relationships with Italian clubs that have come into play. However, none of those players, out, I would say the only player that it makes the, the cut as far as potentially world class is Morata that we brought in. And, you know, Rudiger weird weird one will be really good for us Alonzo has been very good uh Zappa Costa we don't know enough about uh you know th- things like this you know he he's made uh Victor Moses better you know he's made our center backs much better you know he's he has N'Golo Conte who's a, I guess that's the other world-class player that that we've recruited since he's been our our manager but yeah, no, it's this is tough, Dan. Like you see it from both sides. I can understand why he's frustrated, and there, you know, I also don't know what he can do about it at all. I mean, it, it's a job, right? I think we we view 
sports sometimes outside of the bubble of typical life but if you think about it as a job and you know we all have you know even when you're self-employed you know you are your own employee and you have to give yourself you know a a a remit on what your job is and what defines success and what are the parameters you know you can't run an individual business as a sole proprietor as you know the the same way you can as a a multi-million dollar you know technology firm so you know, you have to understand that as, you know, as his job, you know, he has a specific, you know, hey, this is what we're going to be willing to do for you. And I don't know necessarily if earn is the right argument. Ultimately, he outperformed with, you know, what we would say it was not the right depth of squad to achieve the goal that we accomplished last season. And you would imagine that there would be some level of investment, which there was um, in the terms of players where, you know, you, you bring in Bakayoko, you bring in Rudiger, you, uh, you know, elevate our option, I think, in, you know, backup keeper, you bring in Zapacosta. And, and again, like, I think there is some truth to the argument that Conte had involvement in the suggestion of the names, but also that the club was willing to spend in certain areas, but not in others. I think what we see is that initial wage or the of the transfer, but not necessarily the wage bill, and that's also an issue where you look at the you know top you know clubs and kind of global ranking, and you know Chelsea's at eighth right now in terms of you know kind of earnings and performance financially, and yet at the same time has one of the largest wage bills in the Premier League, so there has to be some breaking point somewhere and that is i think a big problem and and why you look at what chelsea have done recently in terms of acquiring uh, a new ceo to uh, help to double the capital or double the earnings or the commercial earnings that the club have because there is a limit to the amount of match day uh, revenue generation that the club has and is continuing to kind of be outpaced as uh, other clubs continue to add more boxes or add more seats and it's all kind of come to a head. And if you know, the manager is not going to work within the the remit of his job and understand what the club will or won't do for him, like he has to be satisfied with what they will or won't do. And he has to also be the person that says, you know what, I will or won't accept the terms of the job I have. And I think, you know, we've talked about it before, you know, in the last you know, episode with Gary, that we all love Antonio Conte and we want him to be the manager. But also if, if the club and Conte are going to be incompatible in terms of the, you know, because there has to be a symbiosis, you know, of the the manager understands the expectations of the job and, and what he, his instructions are, and the club understands what the manager needs to be successful. If there's not a full symbiosis there, uh, it's not, it's going to get us where we are right now, where we're frustrated we don't have the players, you know, we want to blame the board, we want to blame Conte, you know, and, and, you know, then we kind of become a bit of the problem too because, you know, we don't know who to blame. We're frustrated and we're upset, and, and that's not what this should be about. It should be about watching great product on the field and being excited for rooting and supporting the team. And I think all this other noise has made it, you know, really difficult to be uh, an excited Chelsea fan at points this season. Maybe a little bit spoiled last season with all the success. I mean, it really came easy. Minus a couple slips, this year has been yeah. significantly more difficult. I mean, red cards, injuries. Um, at Stunaway, even saying, "What you know? What has caused Conte to lose his mojo? I don't think he wants to be here anymore." I, I don't know about that. I mean, he did say tonight that he's 
he's not sleeping because he's worried about all these injuries and, and, and problems on the team. And I think that that's part of it is anyone, whether they're a Chelsea fan or not, I think you can realize that this season is significantly more difficult than last season. I mean, we were riding high. Nick was popping champagne bottles every episode. I mean, things were great. And now we have to deal with the uh, coming back to earth and, and having a hard landing and, and having to overcome um, not only our internal problems, but the fact that the referees in the league can't sort themselves out, VAR can't sort themselves out. There's a lot of external factors going into this as well. And while those do affect other teams, the other teams don't necessarily all have what we're having. I mean, it could be worse, right? Like you could be quietly having a terrible season like Spurs. I mean, they are. They are underperforming woefully, but no one's really talking about them because they're not a big team, apparently. Chelsea are in every competition until today. It wasn't pretty, but we were scrapping, and we were just getting by, and now we finally had one of them drop off, and to add salt, pour salt in the wound, it was to a rival, a, a huge bitter rival out of London. And so that's kind of where I'm at from, like, where I stand as a fan of this club, realizing that there are limitations, like Dan said, financially, realizing that the two teams above us in the league do not have those financial limitations at all. 400000 a week for Alexis Sanchez is nuts, but you know if you can afford to do it because you're the biggest football club according to Dow Jones then go for it but Chelsea are going to have to get creative with signings youth players getting promoted or something uh to, to to be successful that's that's what i think right now and i guess maybe the question i would ask you know of our group is if that is you know the belief you know is you know, our current manager going to be the one that can fulfill on that that job, you know, proposition. If the the status of the job has changed, you know, I, I think that happens in organizations too, right? You get hired to do one job, and then ultimately, you know, your your organization shifts a little bit, or you know, you're you're selling one thing, but now you're offering a service instead. And you know, is Conte the manager who would be capable of executing with the strategy of? Uh, very few kind of large star players, uh, youth program, kind of the, the, the academy involvement would have to be a higher priority and that will acquire talent in their mid-20s who haven't peaked, who we can get on a decent wage for a, a fair transfer fee uh, that you may you know hit on a couple and you may strike out on a few and you know you could kind of offload them while the other value increases for other players like will he be able to to execute on that and i think that's the the real question between now and the end of the season um because that i i think is going to be what gets asked every single press conference and is the narrative that we you know will continue to read for uh, for the next few months but we're not we're not bargain shopping like hold up we're not we're not poor we're not struggling like no like very few star players like Chelsea can still go out and get 
star players, right? Like, I think that it's still the ambition and the expectation that Chelsea can go get top players. You're right. There is needs to be more of a mix. I will give you that. But I just, to be fair, like, we're, we're not Everton. We're not Southampton, like, you know, West Ham shopping for a bargain here, trying to flip players by any means. We just have to be a little bit more prude, I think, with some of the investments we have. Like, why go get... Uh, certain prudent. stars. Yeah. Being, being well, prude doesn't help us there. Well, I mean, yeah, it's being, like, being could prude be, would I mean, be very geez. bad, actually. <laughs> but that's that's where I'm at. So, at Nick, I mean, jump in as far as is Conte the man to kind of continue to lead us forward. Like I said, it's just a bump in the road. It just happens to be a six-month bump in the road. And I think that if he stays for another 18 months, we're going to see Chelsea back at the top and him smiling again. Yeah, I mean, it. it, it is what is apparent to me is that for all of the the conversation around his future, that there needs to be some reconciliation in the process if he's going to stay beyond the this year. You know, I, 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 if I were him, I would get so sick of answering the same questions every single week. And we talked about this with Gary, like the the press. Every time we have a blip, Chelsea is the is the the club that everyone beats up on uh, for whatever reason, and. You know, this is this is no exception. Uh, they the the um, the press are going to beat up on Conte for his comments today, and uh, it, it's going to be a challenge. So if he's going to stay, there needs to be reconciliation. There needs to be acceptance. There needs to be agreement. Maybe some collaboration on on what happens next if there isn't already, and uh, and move forward because tactically. And, and and his you know his fighting spirit. I want him at Chelsea. Uh, period. End of story. Well, I would you know as we continue to doing this, we want to hear from you all. I think unanimously, fans want Conte to stay. Look, football is a complicated game. You have peaks, you have valleys, but I don't think anyone rational is honestly saying Conte needs to go. Um, players aren't performing to their potential. Uh, other teams are blowing things out of the water. I think there's a lot that goes into this, but uh, jump in. We would love to continue this conversation with everyone. Um, but I think we're going to go ahead and actually, now that we're 51 minutes into this match review, um, just real quick, <laughs> I want to plug our promo code, Nick, before we do the man of the match poll. So again, World Soccer Shop, get some free customization on us. That's right. London Pod is the code that you would use at checkout, and uh, it's ten percent off of your order. Um, you know, if you think about the savings there, depending on what you're what you're working on, um, that could pay for some customization or some shipping, and uh, and yeah, that one's on us. So um, do that. Uh, you know, even even on the on the sale merch that we talked about earlier. So boom. There you go. Um, Dan, we did throw out a man of the match poll because, well, tra- habits are hard to break. Uh, tra- tradition. You know, it's uh, it's why we go to awkward family dinners during the holidays. It's why we do a man of the match poll after a loss to Arsenal, which has become uh, too, too common. So... Gave you a couple choices. Uh, Bakayoko, the winner of 35%. Hazard at 31%, just nipping at the heels. Uh, not Rudiger at 30%, and then Caballero at 4%. So uh, uh, Rudiger, though, uh, official man of the match winner from Arsenal. Uh, not a surprise. Uh, great performance, goal and assist. Uh, 
10.0 on the inverted scale. Yikes. Not good. And I did want to shout out to at Brendan Morris 26, who said, I realize you're poking fun at Rudy, but still harsh guys. Not much the poor guy could do about those deflections. Uh, I can assure you we are not holding all of today, the weight of today's loss on Rudiger. Um, it's just more or less Dan, you know, he always has to have a not serious one. And, you know, I think that this shows the kind of the us taking the, the pain out of it and being able to look at it and say, well, sarcastically it obviously was all rudiger's fault clearly not um you know the the guy obviously not much he could do about it um but is there anything else you guys come on to hit on before as we wrap this one up um i mean for me obviously a lot of the discussion was around the the formation and the manager um there's so much that's going on, on social media to all of you that had questions and things out there i do apologize if we didn't get to it uh, as you can imagine, the uh, the twenty some Facebook comments and I don't know forty some replies that we have and the the additional ones, it, it, it's a lot and um, you know there's a lot to be answered. So Nick, I guess my big question to you is on behalf of our boy uh, Dane, did did do you think we did enough to uh, to maybe help him get over this as he wakes up to this podcast in the morning? Uh, I don't know, man. Uh, Dane is our boy. Looking forward to seeing him in in March, but. Um... Yeah, no, it's a tough one, man. Like, I, you know, I, every every time we go through one of these tough match reviews, I think back to two years ago when this was what we had to do every week, and I'm pretty grateful that we, we don't have to do that every week. So, you know, first world problems, people, first world problems. Yeah, I, I'd say so. I mean, Dan, you know, some people are like, oh, you know, how are you going to cheer us up after this? And it's like, you know, we're not. Like, we're not happy. Why would we pretend that, like, everything is great? Like, it's okay to to take a to accept that you know you weren't up for it today. The team wasn't at it, and that you know it didn't go our way. It's it's about honesty, and it's about trying to figure out what what is the path ahead, and to you know hope that you know to the unseen view that we have of how the club is run and operated, and the conversations between uh, the the board the hierarchy of the club and you know our our manager that there is some level of understanding or kind of thought to what the next phases are of either the plan we have in place now or what the plan is for uh you know the 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 next season and beyond and i think that's that's i think where the hope has to be placed because if we are just going to kind of worry about the fact that we have barcelona coming up and then city um it's uh, it's a little tough. It's it's a little a uh, little bit of a, a tough kind of potential thought to swallow here. So uh, ultimately, it's uh, be- better days will be ahead, and you know not every game will thankfully be against uh, against Arsenal. So uh, you know Conte has a pretty good record against the rest of the league. <laughs> All right, Chelsea fans. Well, like I said, it is a midweek pod, so we're going to go ahead and cut it off here. Um, you know, we're, we're here for you guys. You tweet at us. You can Facebook, Instagram, email us. Happy to continue the conversation with you all. Um, in case you aren't aware, Chelsea do play Newcastle in the FA Cup. So in case you already are over cup competitions, we are back in it. Um, Ken- Kennedy just signed for Newcastle, but obviously he is... 
unavailable to play for them. He's probably cup tied in the FA Cup as well. Dan, uh, I, apparently you were a big fan of the uh, the Kennedy unveiling video. It seemed very generic to me, you know, some like blurry shots in the locker room and then him out in the stadium. But you know, to each their own. Some some tattered jeans. No, they they used. Uh... Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a huge uh, wrestling fan, but I did enjoy the fact that they had a little bit of a WWE mashup, where they brought out the Mr. Kennedy theme song, and uh, overlaid that with the the Kennedy loan announcement. So, uh, good, you know, good good spot for him to go to. I, I think he could add a little bit of an injection of life into that team, and be interesting to see if he can come back. Uh, you know, and maybe this is also just putting him out in the shop window potentially too. So, we'll see. But best of luck to Kennedy. Uh, Nick, obviously it's Newcastle, right? Like, I don't know. Is he going to rotate again? It, it, we're going to have to figure out and see. But the fact of the he matter is, it, it should be another winnable game. But unfortunately, we've learned our lessons this season that we can't just say that and expect it to happen. He has to rotate. Um, you know, we're not going to have new signings by, by Sunday. So, you know, man up squad. Um, you know, Musanda should absolutely play. You know, hopefully Murata is able to come back and we can give William Hazard Pedro a rest. Um, you know, bring in Barkley again if, if he's fit uh, from the start. You know, giving Golo Conte and Bakayoko a rest. Um, you know, definitely work in uh, Drinky and and uh, a player to be named later. Um, and, uh, and look, it's going to be tough. You know, like we're... We haven't had a great run at St. James's uh, St. James's Park, uh, so I don't anticipate that this will be a you know a, a stroll. But uh, certainly hope that the team rebound after this um, and and just let it go and, and play some offensive football and and try and score some goals because um, nothing gets everybody more excited or positive than than that. So. Uh, we're hoping that our Twitter mentions are a lot more positive after Sunday. Yeah, I mean, if we don't have all these injuries recovered by then, we might even get to see the uh, the leg breaker Ampadu jump in there. I mean, everyone loves the old the little Welsh wizard. Um, but I think we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. Everyone, thank you so much uh, for listening. I think this was a good, balanced episode. We're not here to sugarcoat anything. The pain is real for us as well. We are fans just like all of you. So thank you for listening. Again, quick turnaround. Plan on Sunday against Newcastle in the FA Cup. Make sure to have your schedule ready. But until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. If you don't want the conversation to stop, make sure to follow the London is Blue podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you want to support the pod, you can leave a five-star review in iTunes or donate on Patreon.com. The London is Blue podcast, presented by WorldSoccerShop.com.